Hi everyone, this is Jay and welcome to another episode of 50 Shades of Jay. So today's episode, today I'm going to be talking about, um, I guess autoimmune diseases uh, is one aspect of this. And this is kind of some thoughts I've had around how this comes about in the body. This is something I've experienced in my own body and something I've observed in other people I've met and had, you know, kind of relationships and contact with throughout my life. And recently I've had some some thoughts around this that's kind of given me a little bit, what I feel, a bit more of a deeper understanding of how it works. Uh, this is my own sort of theory, I guess, but um, it's something I've been observing quite closely in my own body recently. But um, So we're going to talk a little bit about autoimmune and uh, some of this will probably relate back to McGillchrist's work again <laughs> on... On biology and how the different hemispheres, how we kind of approach health or what you might say like fixing things or the need to kind of break something down into parts and and to, to feel that we can fix it like a machine. And what made me think about this a little bit more recently was that I'm kind of, you could say in a way that I'm working on two things at the moment, or I'm observing my practices with two different things. And one of them is very mechanical and machine-like, and it, and it literally is. I'm, I'm doing some work on my motorbike, <laughs> which I quite enjoy. You know, it's, it's kind of like guy time, you know, it's quite soothing in a way, in my own way to break something down and fix it and kind of make it work properly again is something quite rewarding in doing that and something I enjoy um, refurbishing something or make you know bringing life back into something that was previously broken or didn't work that's something I I enjoy but when I'm working on my motorbike you know it, it's definitely a machine it's definitely something I can break down into components analyze um meticulously and break that down to one particular thought you know like for example I'm working a little bit on the electrical system of my motorbike at the moment I'm not going to bore you with the details <laughs> but you know I find that interesting like breaking it down and into the components and the wiring and the different mechanisms that could be the problem and my brain will kind of you know ponder on that and conversations and technical diagrams and going into uh the mechanic the mechanics of it is definitely a machine analytical breaking down problem solving process that uh definitely activates you know the left side of my brain you could say that kind of um machine like you know i'm looking at my motorbike and machine and i'm breaking it down into components to fix it and once i found out what the problem is that will alleviate that failed component and the machine will go back to kind of working and you know as it should 
which is kind of funny. I say machine like, but most men who have motorbikes kind of probably have a non-machine like relationship to it. They kind of think of it in a very caring and loving way. And I think most mo men that I know have motorbikes definitely think of their bikes as women or, or in some sort of feminine way. Like they will call the bike she. So I think there's a caring, loving aspect to to something mechanical, but really it's it's a machine, you know, as much as I might have a relationship with my motorbike, which I do, it's definitely a machine, you know, and it has components that foul and break sometimes and they, they can be fixed. I wouldn't say that the, my motorbike is a living organism with these kind of interconnected relationships that is organic. It's something that's man-made and sort of has a different energetic feel to it. And because of my love and passion for motorbikes, that can get a little bit blurred sometimes where you you think of it in a kind of, um, in a non-machine-like way. But I think the reality is that it is, it's a machine of components. The same way your computer is or your TV is, these are, they're, they're machines, they're mechanical things. Whereas the body, I would say, is not. And what I thought about this was, um, I, you know, I could share some personal, a personal story, but my, my father, when just before he died, he, he was in a, it was in a specific ward at a hospital uh, where he was being treated. And this ward, you know, what I realized when I went there was that it's kind of where people go to die because it's, you know, it's the last straw kind of ward, right? You know, they have people on all different types of machinery um, to keep them alive. And, you know, my father was in a bad way. You know, he was two or three days away from dying when I went to see him in this ward. And, you know, there's different machines keeping different organs working, you know, or they're kind of taking place of the organs. Let's say, for example, your kidneys are failing. You know, there's a machine that will replicate the actions of the kidneys to keep the body moving and functioning. But these are temporary, right? They're there as a temporary measure until the doctors or the body itself is in a position where it's able to function without the use of the machinery. But I feel that maybe modern medicine is very good. It's amazing. It saves lives. <laughs> it treats many, many different things. And it kept my father alive for those days before he died. And, you know, my father's death was literally us as, uh, I say as a family, it was kind of myself and my mum was there at the time to sort of, you know, when do you turn the machines off? It was literally that kind of decision because he couldn't live indefinitely on machines and it wouldn't be any kind of life anyway. And once machines are turned off, the body, you know, it goes into free fall. I'm not sure best way to describe it, but you know, you're, you're dying, right? And you know, modern medicine, I think of it, maybe there's an aspect of it that is looking at the body and humans and different um, animals and mammals as in a, in a machine-like way that we can kind of dissect it and break it down into components and we can artificially keep the body going if we can replicate what certain organs do and 
And I think that that activates that left side of our brain again, where we start to compartmentalize things and separate things and break things down into components where we might look at the body in some way as these kind of separate elements. And if we fix one element, then that can fix the rest. And in many cases, that's true and it works. You know, you can have a pacemaker put in, you can have different foreign objects installed into the body, screws and bolts and stuff that, you know, joints that kind of replicate original uh, human skeletal or muscular functions. And that can kind of, in a way, you kind of become bionic, <laughs> you know, and that kind of works. But I think that's like a certain type of fix. And that's a way of um, fixing an aspect of the body. And I'm not being critical of that. It's just what I mean is that's a certain way of looking at a way to fix a particular part of the body when you separate it from the rest. And that definitely has a function and a place. It's probably why people live for as long as they do these days. It's one of the reasons. But um, it's definitely, you know, this separation, this, uh, this breaking things down into different separate things rather than looking at something in this more organic, the way I like to think about things, this kind of interconnected thing, this, uh, this non-separate, this organic being that is interdependent on so many different aspects that we don't necessarily see or can uh, describe or explain so well but aspects of the human experience that affect our health. And that could range from a whole plethora of things around emotions, environment. And that's probably two things I'm going to focus the most on this talk really is, is really emotions and specifically environment. You could argue that my motorbike broke down because of certain environmental factors or probably that the parts have, <laughs> most likely that certain parts have a shelf life that starts to deteriorate over a certain amount of time. The same way the body does to some extent. But it functions in a different way. And when I think about the human body, for me, what I experience as um, ill health or... Um, some aspects failing other than just general, the general extent of your life where over a certain age and at a certain period, your body and the parts of your body just start to really deteriorate. It's just part of life. We, we die the same way when you see a rose, you know, blossom and it, at some point it's in full blossom and it's beautiful. It's perfect and you know it starts to wilt and deteriorate and that's its that's its lifespan it's its natural lifespan the way the same way we do excuse me and what, what i really thought about around this was um environmental factors and i kind of had an i don't want to say an epiphany but i had a thought around this at some point during practice, after practice and different times when I've been practicing Ashtanga, this 
this observations kind of come up within me around autoimmune and I think it's good to kind of clarify what I mean by autoimmune and when I think of autoimmune diseases I think of that usually our immune system can tell the difference between foreign cells and our own cells but at some point when we describe something as being autoimmune I think of it in a way where your immune system mistakes parts of your body, maybe your joint or your skin or something like that, parts of the body, and it sees it as foreign. And I'm actually reading this online at the moment as a, as a description where it releases proteins called autoantibodies that attack healthy cells. So when I thought about this, I thought about where the body's in this state of confusion, you know. It's not really aware. I say it like it's separate, but you yourself are not aware of something in you, around you, as being foreign. And it's confused to the, and it's so confused to the point where it starts attacking itself. And really, I could kind of, break that down into so many different aspects you know where you know i kind of thought about this why would our body why would why would you yourself your body your immune system you as a being be confused around which cells are yours and which cells aren't and so confused that in an attempt to defend and preserve your health you end up kind of attacking the healthy good cells. And when I think about how we are as humans and how we operate and how we can kind of not be very nice to ourselves, how we can kind of internalize negative emotions, you know, how we can do horrible self-harming practices And I kind of related this to this in the same way, you know, where our psychology and our our mental state has become so negative and, you know, inwardly toxic, I could say, where you've lost all love and compassion for yourself, where you end up hurting yourself, maybe even inadvertently, maybe even subconsciously. And generally just not being very nice to yourself. It's not very not saying very nice things to yourself. And you know, we've all done that. And I've talked about this before on this podcast, the the importance of self-love and the importance of reaffirming conversations that you have with yourself that are positive and not not inwardly negative. You know, I've, I've said this before and, you know, many friends have said this over the years. Probably some of us, even now, can say some of the most awful things to ourselves that you might not even think about saying to someone else. It's, it's kind of amazing how inwardly negative some people can be and how hurtful some people can be to themselves where they are unable to see themselves in a soft way, they're unable to see themselves as someone who's trying and someone who's hurt 
someone who's had a difficult life, someone who is in so much pain that it's unfortunately turned inward. And maybe the fullest extent of that is, you know, extreme versions of self-harm or even suicide. And it's awfully sad. And it really saddens me when I think of people, and especially young people that have that with them. And, you know, life is hard enough <laughs> externally without us being internally hard on ourselves. And it really is a cliche, and I've said this before, but, you know, self-love and being kind and compassionate with yourself really is the basis for all altruistic practices where you really need to genuinely feel that within yourself. You really need to genuinely love and understand yourself and all of your difficult periods of your life and emotions to really have compassion for yourself before you can kind of really love and share with other people because it's really does start that way. And the reason I'm sort of, you know, saying that and saying it again, because I've probably said that many times on this podcast, is so I think of, about that a little bit with autoimmune. How much of uh, diseases are in the body are cultivated from inward negative energy? And how much of it is coming from practices or beliefs that generally don't do us any favours and potentially cultivate unhealthy ways of being that culminate in self-harm and even, you know, a cellular level, yeah? I mean, that is a potential thing. And really, this is probably nothing new, but it kind of feels like my theory around how how the body attacks itself and why, why is it in a confused state? Why, why is the body in a confused state where it would attack itself or it thinks it's doing the right thing, but it's not, you know, it really does at some level, the body thinks it's doing the right thing, but it's actually not, it's, it's hurting itself. And what I really thought about with this was environmental. And when I say environmental, my, my thoughts around this were around energy, yeah? And something I experienced in my body recently, and I can share this, when my father was very sick, and when I was caring for my father, and my family was just in a completely chaotic period for many years, and... I don't maybe really need to go into all of the details of that, but uh, it was a very, very stressful period of my life. And at that point, I had some psoriasis. I had some skin, um, you know, um, symptoms on my elbow and just behind my ear. And I've had many friends who've experienced similar where under extreme stress, this was like the, a symptom within the body what, you know, looking back after was, you know, like a, a red light. It was a warning sign. It was my body screaming at me that something's up. This is, you know, you're doing too much. You're under too much pressure. And, 
you know, really the skin is a very visible thing, yeah? It's something that is right there. It's itching, it's scratching. You, you can't ignore it. It's, it's right there, yeah? And when I think about skin things, I really think about that. It's something you can't ignore, yeah? It's something that's very visible. And I think also that um, some of these autoimmune diseases can really kickstart in a very traumatic period, you know, when when you experience a really extreme event, it can kick off something in the body that uh, might just be with you and it might come off and on again, but something kind of is activated during that time. And during bouts, you know, talking with other people who suffer from autoimmune diseases, during bouts of, you know, extreme stress or certain environmental changes that trigger that it will be something that maybe comes and goes and that and it's actually triggered from a very extreme traumatic event and i think some of that is um is passed down a little bit you know maybe our parents had the same maybe their grandparents had the same and i think everybody from different families and different walks of life has a different trigger and a different symptom and depending on your your lineage, that will be different for everybody. But the really main thing I really wanted to highlight, what I felt was, what I noticed in my body, I don't really suffer from psoriasis for many years now. It wasn't something that was very prominent on my body. It was in what you could describe as kind of a small part of my body that um, didn't really go too far. But what I noticed recently was that I had like a very stressful period recently for a few days, or maybe a little bit longer actually. And I noticed that symptomatically, uh, I observed something in my body that was worsening, yeah? Like I could feel it in my body that symptomatically something in my body was, was worse. It was not getting better, yeah? And I was really stressed, you know, like angry, stressed, you know, not feeling good. I could feel it in my body. I could feel it in my yoga practice. It was, you know, it was right there. And, you know, a lot of times I used to think of things flaring up and symptoms becoming worse as like a general stress thing. It's like, okay, I'm stressed as a general stress. This is why these symptoms are worse. So, you know, surely as usual, reduce the stress levels, go back to the basics, you know, reduce your stress levels, eat well, sleep well, drink plenty of water and, you know, move the body and, you know, the basics, yeah, and focus on that and all will be well. But really something I, I thought about with regards to autoimmune that I observed in myself around this was maybe it's not just stress, you know, Maybe it's a particular type of stress. And I started to kind of meditate really on this, this word foreign, yeah? When I thought about this, that the body is, is seeing something foreign. And, I, and I'm thinking about this completely on an energetic level, yeah? Because sometimes in our life, it's quite difficult to find boundaries with some people. It's quite difficult 
with some relationships we have or some environments we have, whether it's family, work, relationships, whatever, where you're experiencing something that's negative, yeah? You're experiencing something that is not good and it doesn't feel good. And you will feel that in your body at some level, whether it's conscious or subconscious or whether it's visible, whether it's an autoimmune, whether it's something on your skin, whether it's sleep, you know, whatever. And I think it takes some skill and practice to understand when that's not yours, you know, when what you're experiencing and feeling isn't coming from you, it's actually coming from someone or somewhere else. And maybe that can be confusing. And I think at times it can be, because some relationships, some environments, some um, people, it can be quite difficult to understand when it's actually someone else projecting something rather than you creating something, yeah? And I, and I kind of had this sort of, I don't want to say realisation, like I figured this out, but it's something I'm sort of paying a lot of attention to in myself, in my life and my, my body at the moment, is how much of these types of, you want to say, diseases or symptoms within the body are us experiencing something negative, something toxic, something that isn't good for us, that is very difficult to see. And it's difficult to understand exactly where that's coming from. And maybe we have a certain pattern where that's it very difficult to see. Maybe for some of us, some relationships are so complex and so complicated and so ingrained in a, an old pattern that it's very difficult to see how toxic or how negative that is and the impact, the type of impact that that can have on us. And it's something that I'm going to pay a lot of attention to in myself at the moment, which is, are certain symptoms reduced if you become better at seeing something that doesn't feel good, something that's negative, that isn't yours? And how that relates to certain symptoms in the body, not just general stress, not just, you know, work life, city life, neighbours, you know, you name it. What I might say could be general stress as to a specific type of stress that activates our nervous system in a certain way that produces these symptoms where the body is in a state of confusion. It's in a state of, yeah, I think that's the best word. It's confused around what's foreign and what's non-foreign, you know, what's local, what's what's you and what isn't you. And these words for me are quite powerful, you know, foreign, something that is external from you, something that's outside of you, that your body is feeling and experiencing at some energetic level. But because it's so difficult to understand and see it for what it is and where it comes from, that in our, in our desperation to defend ourselves and kind of protect ourselves, we end up kind of doing some harm to ourselves during that space. And my feeling is, and my theory really, is that if we become better at seeing these things and knowing when something isn't ours, 
when someone else is projecting something, when we have some external stress that is coming from somewhere else and we become a lot clearer at seeing that, potentially these symptoms might be less and our reaction to those symptoms and reaction to those types of stress might be different. Maybe we don't have the same um, reaction to the way we treat ourselves and in a, a micro level, on a cellular level, how we might interpret foreign objects, foreign types of negative energy, and we create a healthy boundary with that. We have a healthy boundary between what is ours and what isn't, and what's foreign and what's not. And potentially that leads to a healthy immune system. You know, these are words that, you know, sometimes, using kind of modern Western terminology maybe even kind of makes this even more difficult because we have all these kind of names and separations for things, but really our, our whole being, yeah, our emotional self, our energetic self. And when I, I say energetic for me, because when I, I visualize that, it's this, it's this aura, it's this kind of field around us. And that's, everything, immune system, skin, bone, muscular, emotion, heart, gut, you know, I, I think of it as this interconnected uh, glowing orb that acts as a kind of boundary from ourselves to everyone else. And at times that boundary changes. Like when you love someone, when you touch someone, when you, when you really connect with someone and there's an, there's an interconnected thing that happens between you and someone else that you feel love, you know, you feel these, you feel something shift in yourself where you become more open to someone. You, I know, I know this in myself that people I have loved and connected with deeply, there's a part of me that is still with them and there's a part of them that's still with me in some way. You, you can't really describe it. You just feel it. It's just there. It's just something you kind of know intrinsically and, you, you can't really describe that to someone. You just kind of know. You know that that's, that's true. And I, I think that can be the same for what I'm talking around with different types of symptoms from different types of diseases that could be something we begin to get better at knowing. We, get, we, we start to know in ourselves what isn't ours and what is ours, what is foreign and what isn't. It's more of a knowing rather than a reading about and a diagnosis. It's just something you know to your core. It's, you've trained yourself. You've, you've developed that sense of awareness where you just know. And I think that potentially cultivating that can really lead to health and changing the way we treat ourselves, train, changing the way we see ourselves to the deepest level at a cellular level and obviously I think yoga is a very good tool for that there's many good tools for that and I've spoke about different tools for that on this podcast but I think anything where you go deeply into the body and you bring awareness to different aspects of the body but uh, it's it's been interesting recently to kind of think about that and Sometimes when I've finished practice or other times, this comes to me quite often. I, I kind of think about this 
at quite a deep level, I kind of meditate on it really to sort of feel it. And it's something I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to in my own body with certain symptoms that might happen around different types of stress and being paying a little bit more attention to to other people's energy yeah and seeing how that might affect me symptomatically because i think a lot of the time a lot of us are disconnected from our bodies we don't really pay much attention to these things and we experience uh, ill health and disease and different types of stress and we just you know we google it we read about it someone tells us something and we attach some kind of uh, idea to something and maybe that helps and maybe it doesn't but really my focus is about change and bringing about change and not just putting a band-aid on something not just kind of you know pacifying something so that we can just carry on, keep doing what we're doing and keep experiencing the same type of pain or the same type of uh, ill health and, you know, just, yeah, putting a Band-Aid on it. And, it, you know, I thought about this recently and it made me think of a few stories and, you know, there's different health workers in different aspects of society and they all play a different role and an important role at different times and, um some deal with more on a superficial layer. Some of them are more like quick fix and some of them, you know, get us out of a stuck period, you know, and they kind of alleviate some short-term pain or a crack on our adjustment here or a weekend away there. There's certain things we can do that kind of alleviate certain stress factors or adjustments in the body can bring about um, short-term relief. But my focus is, is is kind of a little bit different it's more long-term health and making deep changes in the body that last you know these are you could say i guess permanent changes you know really where you're changing the structure of your body but also the structure of your being so that you're you're in a healthier state throughout and that's something that you're cultivating internally rather than seeking something externally. I've spoken about this quite a bit before, but it reminded me of this story that actually, I used to read a lot of Osho books and not so much these days, but you know, they are, they're gold really. And um, it made me think of this story and I, I think he was talking about, I think he was a politician or someone with a, you know, an incredibly stressful job, which I'm sure we probably think politicians probably do have quite stressful jobs. And they kind of went to this uh, healer. And, you know, I think the the symptom was sleep. You know, I can't sleep. So the healer gives them like a meditation practice to do before bed and they start doing this practice and their sleep gets better. And then, you know, the guy comes back few months later and still can't sleep and you know meditation worked for a little while but now there's this other thing and he's getting up in the middle of the night and what to do so the healer gives him another another trick you might say it's not so important I think part of the story what he's given but the short version of this story is that the politician keeps coming back and back and back 
and eventually kind of has this very confrontational approach to the healer and was like, you know, you'll give me all these things. Now I have all these like 20 things I need to do before I go to bed and during the night so that I sleep. And, you know, this is not really helping my life now. I'm more stressed about all the things that I need to do. You know, what, what, why are you giving me all these extra things to do? My life's already busy. Now I have to do all these other 20 things just to go to sleep. And, you know, what do you call yourself? You're supposed to help me. And, uh, and the healer says, you know, because really the thing that's going to affect your sleep the most is changing your job and changing your lifestyle and the practice that you have, which is your job and the mistress you have. And, you know, and he starts to list all of these other aspects of this guy's life that are causing him massive amounts of stress. Uh, but the reality is the healer knew that this guy doesn't want to change because he likes his job. He likes the power of his job. He likes what it gives him, what it brings him. He likes having a mistress. He likes all these other things. So, you know, fundamentally, I think a lot of these things come down to there's always a choice, but it's all wrote mostly around what you're willing to change. And I think using your body as a guide is always going to be the best measurement tool for health but you might have to change some things that you like you might have to change some things that you're good at that you that give you status that um what's the word satisfies your ego or your mind in a way that gives you a certain feeling that feels good but it might not be the healthiest choice or the healthiest option and actually I can say this because I spoke to someone about this today and I've spoke about this before that I used to do a lot of fighting sports and martial arts and for many years and uh, I don't mean this in an egotistical way but I was very good at them and just naturally you know I've probably said this before but um, I've never done anything in my life where I took to something so easily. It was just like, oh, I've found my thing. It was really like that. It was like a, and I've done lots of different things in my life, but those kind of fighting sports, especially grappling and jujitsu was, it was like a duck to water. And I, I, I kind of knew it in my body that I'd found the thing. And I was really good at it. You know, I don't mean that in any sort way, but I, I feel and from my peers and, you know, that's something I was, I felt I could excel at quickly. And at some point that changed. And I don't mean my ability, but what I told my friend today was that uh, we were having this conversation around this, which is probably what instigated this podcast, to be honest, uh, me doing it today, is that fighting sports and all the things I was doing in that arena definitely gave me lots of things and something that I won't regret and don't regret and I, I'm truly grateful to have done those things in my life and I, I loved them and it was definitely a stepping stone but probably weren't the most healthiest in terms of physically but also um, mentally in some ways you know and it was very difficult for me to leave that it took 
actually after I stopped practicing, it took me nearly two or even three years to really, after that, to kind of let go of it. And I still think about it often. And it's what I'm, what I'm, the reason I'm saying that is because sometimes the choice that's the healthy choice, and for me that was moving away from fighting sports to yoga as a as my main practice are not the easiest ones and i've said this before i was much better at fighting than than yoga in terms of asana practice you know it's like uh, you know but yoga and that road really what my body was telling me at the time was that was the right avenue that was the that was the choice to make and I was at this crossroads in my life. I remember it clearly. I was leaving London and um, packing up my house and choosing to live differently for some years. Of I was living in my camper van in the summer and different parts of the world in the winter. And I, I was on this kind of journey of a bit of self-discovery, I guess you could say. And the choice at the time was to either go to Brazil and practice with my coach there and fulfill another aspect of my sort of martial arts background or it was to go to India <laughs> and focus on Ashtanga and this was a you know a literally a crossroads choice in my life and I you know obviously I chose yoga and I chose that road and that and that for me I feel has been a much harder road <laughs> it's been a much more difficult journey for my ego, for lots of things, for my body in some ways to kind of take that journey. And again, I'm saying that because I think that sometimes the healthiest choice is not always the easiest. And you, you might have to give something up. You might have to give some people up. And that's something else I'm about to do. You might have to let go of some relationships. You might have to let go of some environments or some things that aren't very good for you, even if you like them, maybe even if you love them. <laughs> you know, the, the body doesn't lie. And the better you get at listening to your body, the better you get at making those decisions. And sometimes you might even get a message that's so strong you feel like it comes from somewhere else. And I had that recently. It's been playing on my mind, to be honest. I, I think I need to maybe save going into that for another time, but I, it's, uh, I, I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I, I've been sort of, okay, so I had this, I had this moment where I had this extreme, dream deep sense of absolute dread yeah it hit me like a like a train I don't know if I talked about this on the last podcast I can't remember sometimes I forget but and I I I, I, I you know it is it was so strong and it felt like it came from my intuition you know because it's hard to explain this in words on a podcast, but there's been some times in meditation and other things where I felt deeply connected to something else. And it, like spatially, 
like as if I've gone somewhere else in time and space and I'm connected to this other thing and I kind of know it's good. I've got a good feeling from it and it feels like this eternal uh, cosmos. I, I, I probably sound crazy. It's hard to describe, but it's just there and it feels far away, but close at the same time. And if I had to visualize it, it's almost like I'm in space and there's this light and there's this kind of movement and I'm communicating it with it in a way that isn't with words. I'm not really sure how to explain that. And I and this feeling felt like it came from there and it, it hit me like a train and I, I was actually on my way to practice and I had the most strangest yoga practice from that. And that feeling was there really strongly and I, I, I was trying to, my mind was trying to figure out what the fuck, what what am I being warned about? Is what what is it? You know what's what's being communicated to me? And I don't even know why I'm talking about that right now because I have not figured it out. My mind has been trying to link it to some things that I'm doing in my life at the moment, but may, I think maybe it's just my mind trying to just find an answer and actually it's more of a deeper a deeper thing that I haven't really figured out I mean it could be just something in my body letting go of something it's really hard to know sometimes I don't think it really helps sometimes trying to figure out it's just to let the body and emotionally feel it and just let it go it could just be something in my being that just had to come up at that time and go it's just something in the universe just hitting me with something and expressing something that I, you know, okay, see where that goes. It's hard, but I'll, if I figure it out, or maybe I don't need to, I'll, uh, it might be an interesting one to share, but it's interesting what comes up if you're listening. It's interesting what comes up if you, if you practice that kind of awareness where you don't dismiss things like that. You, you actually think that, those kind of messages and what comes up in your body are way more important and way truer than what you might Google or what someone else might tell you. And to me, these are sort of fascinating aspects of life to play with. But uh, anyway, I digress. I think I might leave it there. So yeah, this, this is kind of a little bit of my theory around health and autoimmune. I, I think it's an interesting thing to to play with and explore and to observe in yourself, especially if you're someone that um, struggles with chronic diseases, you know, and that's something I, in the yoga world, it's something you sort of see on a day-to-day and a regular basis because I think a lot of people do come to yoga and these type of healing practices because they do have chronic pain. They have some sort of chronic thing going on in the body that, you know, they need answers. They've probably been to different types of um, doctors and therapists and maybe it's still there, some sort of chronic thing within themselves that is not being resolved. And they come to yoga trying to fix that in some way or looking to heal that. And I think that's a good avenue to take. And all of these aspects of awareness, I think, can bring about health and potentially alleviating chronic chain chronic pain 
by changing old patterns. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Ciao.